Thanks, Rose. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. What a man. Look at that. Unbelievable. Anyone would think you'd asked him to do it. <coughs> How are we doing this morning? Fantastic. Isn't that great? Um, you'll hear that. Did you hear that song during the, uh, the video? Did you recognise the voice? Anna. It is Anna. That's right. And you can see more of Anna on YouTube or other places, I'm sure. Um, I just felt before we uh, get into the message this morning, um, uh, I just felt, uh, uh, just sensed in my heart that what the Holy Spirit was particularly wanting to do um, during, uh, the, um, during the worship and also uh, during the message this morning is really just heal and touch people's minds, especially in the areas of their thoughts. Um, how many know that our world is shaped by our thought life? And uh, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And uh, obviously, uh, sometimes your heart can catch more than what your mind can, can you, what your mind can hold. And uh, our minds obviously and sometimes tend to be a bit of a, a, a bottleneck or at the very least a real battlefield um, of, uh, of, you know, just, you know, controlling thoughts. And, um, uh, and the Bible says, uh, take our thoughts captive. Uh, and that doesn't mean just own them, but control your thoughts. Because how many know that if we dwell on particular thoughts or particular thinking... Uh, you know, you, you just have to turn on the news for, for an hour and then you'll walk away um, really challenged in the areas of your faith, in what you believe, in uh, is this world a, a good place, is it not a good place uh, and, uh, and your, your thoughts can really go down that track and I just get a sense at the moment that what the Holy Spirit is doing here today and this morning is really touching people's thoughts, touching people how, how you think what you think and how to control how you think. Is that cool? Yeah. And um, so can we just pray? Can we just allow the Holy Spirit just to do that right now? And uh, you might be uncomfortable. The, this may be completely new to you. Um, but just let's just step forward in faith and just say, Father, um, if, if you're in this, have your way. Is that cool? Yeah. Holy Spirit, right now, we just want to be obedient to you. Yes, we just open up some... Uh, so this moment and this uh, uh, right now, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would do a quick work, do a complete work, Lord, um, th that you are faithful to complete the work that you have started. And so, Lord, complete it here today, uh, complete it in our mind. And Lord, right now, we just uh, thank you for that you have given us our minds, uh, the ability to think uh, the ability to make choices and decisions and process how we feel and what's happening. Lord, right now, I just thank you uh, that you are, um, uh, you are the creator of our mind. You know our minds uh, in, into the most deepest depth and detail. And so, Holy Spirit, right now, give us uh, an anointing and a power to operate in our thought life in a better, enhanced, and, uh, and uh, uh, um, uh, uh, not in a reduced way, but in an enhanced way, Lord. And so, Lord, just anoint our minds, anoint the way we think, and Lord, we just love you and we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness in that area of our life, Lord. 
in Jesus' name. You just might want to put your hand upon your, on, on your head or just on your, uh, on your forehead or wherever you think your mind is um, um, and, just, uh, and just say, Holy Spirit, um, help me in this area in Jesus' name. Yeah, amen. Fantastic. Isn't that good? Who just feels just a little bit clearer in their thought life right now? Anybody notice a, just a shift and a change? Fantastic. That's awesome. Praise God. Well, today I am uh, talking about something new, and this is the lowdown on humility. Do you like the, the play on the words there? The lowdown on humility. Some people are still back in the mind thing, so that's cool. Um, but I just wanted to start this morning um, and talk about and talk about the issue of humility. Humility is something that um, is really important to mankind. Um, I believe that it is one of the most powerful weapons in certainly a Christian's life or in anybody's life, in a leader's life, in a parent's life, in a, in a, in a child's life. Humility is just absolutely key to us living a successful, living a content life, uh, living a life of breakthrough, living a life of healing, and uh, living a life where we're actually helping and impacting others. Humility is absolutely key to our life. And uh, we, I'm, we're going to discover and uh, I'm going to uh, touch on the direction of where we're going to go, um, but... Um, but I want to start with just a quick story. Is that all right? So um, uh, this was a story that I, I read about a gentleman who, uh, who was washing his car at a car wash. And it reads like this. It says, I was parked in front of the shopping centre wiping off my car. I'd just come from the car wash and was waiting for my wife to get out of the shops. How many know that he might be waiting a while. Coming, coming my way from across the parking lot was what society and the community would consider a rough sleeper, a homeless person. From the looks of him, he had no car, no home, no clean clothes and no money. There are times when you feel generous, but there are other times that you just don't want to be bothered. This was one of those I don't want to be bothered times. I was thinking in my thoughts, I hope he doesn't ask me for any money. Well, he didn't. He came in, he just sat on the curb in front of the bus stop, but he didn't look like he could have enough money to even ride the bus. After a few minutes, he spoke. That's a very pretty car, he said. He was ragged, and he had a, but he had an air of dignity around him. His scraggly blonde beard kept more than just his face warm. I said, thanks, as I continued to wipe my car. He sat there quietly as I worked, as I worked away, and the expected plea for money never came. As the silence between us widened, something inside said, ask him if he needs any help. I was sure that he would say yes, but I held true to the inner voice that was whispering inside me. Do you need any help? I asked. He answered in three simple, profound words that I shall never forget. We often look for wisdom in great men and women. We expect it from those that are, that are of a higher learning or greater accomplishments. 
I expected nothing but an outstretched, grimy hand. But he spoke these three words that shook me to my core. He said, don't we all? You see, I was feeling high and mighty, successful and important, above this bum in the street, until those three words hit me like a 12-gauge shotgun. Don't we all? I needed help. Maybe not for a bus fare or a place to sleep, but I needed help. I reached in my wallet and gave him not only enough for a bus fare, but enough to get a warm meal and shelter for the day. Those three little words still ringing true in my ears and in my heart. No matter how much you have, no matter how much you have accomplished, you need help too. No matter how little you have, no matter how loaded you are with problems, even without money or a place to sleep, you can give help. Even if it's just a, com- a compliment, you can give that. You never know when you may, need, may see someone that appears to have it all, but they are waiting on you to give them what they don't have. A different perspective on life, a glimpse of something beautiful, a respite from daily chaos that only you, sorry, that only you through a torn world can see. Maybe the man was just a homeless stranger wandering the streets. Maybe he was more than that. Maybe he was sent by a power that is great and wise to minister to a soul too comfortable in themselves and make him know that everyone needs help. Don't we all? Don't we all? What an amazing story, isn't it? Of that incredible encounter. So today, where we're going to go is we are going to define what humility is. We're going to look at pride. Who's excited about looking at pride? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just warning you that today may be a little bit of a rough day, but hang in there, it gets better at the end. Is that all right? It's like a really good Hollywood movie. It's like shocking at the beginning, but then all the good guys win. Is that cool? All right. Who loves to see a movie where the bad guy just gets it? You know what I'm saying? Like, man, he deserved it and he just got it. Anyway, the point in this is the bad guy is pride and he's going to get it today. Is that cool? So we're going to look at the strength of humility. We're going to look at humility and honour and how the two are connected. Um, And we're going to look at the fact, the very, very fact, that change can be really, really hard. Anybody relate to that? My wife has been trying to change me forever and it's not going so well. And so change can be hard and then we're going to look at the next steps. But first, as I said, I want to help us define humility. You see, it's actually quite interesting that according to Merriam-Webster, that's not a person, that's a group of people. Um, (laughs) Wasn't there a Merriam-Webster that sung in the Olympics or something? Yeah. Nikki Webster. Oh, Rosie, you're unbelievable. <laughs> it wasn't Miriam at all. But uh, thanks for that digression, everybody. You went with me, you followed, it was your fault. So, it's an extraordinary thing that, that Miriam Webster, unrelated to Nikki Webster, um, helps define humility by saying what it's not. 
It's just extraordinary. Like, you're not going to say, um, here's a banana. Hey, guess what? It's not an apple. <laughs> right? There's a Holden. It's not a Ford. Praise God for that, right? Here we go. It's not a PC. It's an apple. Oh, it's not a banana, right. <laughs> right. Oh, you're going to make me work hard this morning. So, you see, I find it incredible that when I looked up the definition of humility, it's defined by what it's not, simply because humility is, well, you know, it's hard to be, it's hard to be, it's hard to admit that you're humble, because that, doesn't that defeat the purpose? You catching it? Like... We'll come back to that, all right? But it's extraordinary that I'm spitting on my iPad because it's an apple. So it's extraordinary. Um, but if someone described you as humble, then it in itself would be hard to accept because it has a feeling of, well, if I agree with you that you say I'm humble, is that still humility? Rose, you're so humble. See, see what, Sam, you're, you're, you're just one of the most humble people I know. See, me too. I am the most humble person I know. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's sort of not great. It, it, like, oh, thanks. What do you say to that? What do you say to that, right? So, but sometimes the easiest way to define something is to describe something that they are not. Well, if I was to say, Sam, you're so... You, you haven't got a proud bone in your body. You are not a proud person. You are not a person. You can be proud of kids and all of that sort of stuff, but I'm talking self-pride, right? If I was to say, Sam, any reason why you're not sitting with Kelly this morning? Or? There was children there. Okay, well, that's what happens. Kids just appear. Um, <laughs> Imagine if it was, though. Anyway, don't go there. Stay on track, Matthew. So, the, po the, po the point is that if I said to Sam, um, Sam, you don't, you don't struggle with pride at all, he could say, yeah, thanks, that's good. But if I said to him, you're so humble, he can't say thank you anymore. You see, this is why it's so extraordinary that the, a dictionary of any repute describes humility or being humble as something that it's not. If I was to ask you, each and every single person here today, if I was to ask you this question and I was to say, can you remember and recall a time where your humility just went like through the roof, like your humili humility meter, just went like, yeah, I was just like so humble just then. <laughs> you know, that time when I went, you know, and I just let that person through in the traffic and they cut me off and I just went, I'm humble. <laughs> Can you recall a moment when you showed great humility? So, it, I'm not saying you can't, but it's often difficult to, Okay. You can say, well, I showed humility when my wife stole the, stole the doona that night and I just laid there and <laughs> got cold and I didn't want to disturb her precious sleep. 
I can say that because Anna's not here, right? But if I was to say to you, if I was to ask you, can you remember and recall a time where pride and arrogance led to anger in your life and you reacted really badly? Oh, well, I can recognise that one. You know, you know, that person cut me off in the traffic. I gave him the bird, the fist, the horn and yelled out the window and oh, I felt really good about it afterwards, right? It's like we're talking a little bit of reality here. Is that cool? You can quite often recall those moments quite easily because we're not as aware of humility perhaps. Perhaps, I'll propose this, perhaps we're not as aware of walking in humility as we should be. Being humble. And I'm going to help, hopefully, hopefully define. But we can't define humility unless we define what pride is all about. So God describes these things about pride. God opposes the proud. God actively works against those who walk in pride. Pride is just ugly. Have you ever met somebody who's really full of pride? They just get ugly, right? If you're sitting next to somebody, that that's, don't say anything to them right now. Pride is selfish. Pride is just like so self-centered. It's I am the number one. God is not on the throne of my life. I'm on the throne of my life. And that is like I'm, I am it, right? Pride works at dragging everyone down so that you can feel better about yourself. That's what pride does. Pride helps a person hide fear. Pride helps a person hide fear. Fear. We're going to come back to that in a moment. Pride reveals insecurity in identity. And if you come to the identity conference, we'll help you with that. And creates independent thinking to the extent of rejecting, rejecting others. That's my fault, mate. Rejecting others and isolation is safe. I'm going to say that again because that's really good. Pride reveals insecurity in identity and creates independent thinking to the extent of rejecting others and isolation becomes a very safe place. It actually becomes the safest place. It's the loneliest place that you can be. Um, Men, I'm going to talk to you for a minute. Is that cool? Men? Got your focus here? So... In your life, you may only have three to five friends that you can actually call your friends. You've got plenty of people that you know, but generally speaking, it's only about three to five friends in your entire life. That's statistically what's happening in life, right? In society. Why? I would propose that the male ego, as awesome as it is, can far too easily lead to pride. And therefore, in their own thinking, in our own thinking, and I'm a man, I'm just confirming that, in my, in my own thinking, in our own thinking, 
we say, we don't need anybody else. I can do it. And it leads to isolation, anxiety, fear of failure, and independence rather than interdependence. Men, you need more friends because you're boring. Women, that was your opportunity. <laughs> hey, men! Hello? Men, we get really boring far too easily because, oh, it's not in my notes. Most of our life we've been told to sit down, shut up, and smell the roses. But friends, God, men, God has made our hearts to be filled with adventure, to experience new things, to lead our family in new areas, to lead our community to new places. Hello? Yeah? And that's emotionally, that's spiritually. Go on a grand holiday and experience something great. Experience something new. Adventure something. Amen? Yeah. All right. That was a little ad break. Back to the notes. <clears throat> I just feel that this is the year. Um, I was talking with a friend of ours who's, who's, uh, who uh, walks, in, walks in some very influential circles in Canberra. I'll just say that. And, um, and uh, is a close advisor to uh, Prime Minister Scott Morrison and, and, uh, and, knows, and knows many people up, 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 up in Canberra there. And I said, uh, what's, what's the number one need in Canberra right now? And he said, the number one need in Canberra, and this is not, this is not men, just men, but it's also women. He said, what we need in Canberra right now is the men, all right, the men not to be party people, not to toe the party line, but to step into the real belief of what is right, not just what groups of people are saying. And I just get a sense that this year, for us men, this is the year, and I'm talking about, doesn't matter how old you are, this is the year where you can step into that place that God has prepared for you as a man. Hello? Okay. So, praise God. Thanks for that little digression going with me on that. I just felt that the Holy Spirit was just wanting to minister to uh, us in that way. So, back to pride. So, who's ready to deal with pride today? There's <laughs> a few people. No? Yes, I'm ready to deal with pride. Thanks for that positive affirmation there. So, so you know, we need to understand that pride and arrogance are based on fear. Fear is the number one most deliberating de sense in the world. If you are here today and you struggle with fear, then you probably don't need to look very hard and you will find a proud and arrogant behaviour. Why? Because fear wants to push away everything that looks dangerous or looks like it will impact 
personally, emotionally, your resources, your personal resources, your, your spiritual walk, whatever that might be. And you see, a lack of humility robs us of real relationship. You could be sitting beside somebody or uh, next to somebody on the train or, or, or uh, somebody down at a restaurant or anything like that, and you won't even say hello to them simply because you might be afraid of who they are, where they're from, and what they're doing. Whereas they could become your absolute next best friend. They could be an amazing person that you just discover who they are, right? So here, this, uh, uh, this humility will actually position us correctly in relationship. It'll actually help us build better relationships with new people, but equally with the people that we are already in relationship with. See, pride robs us of real worship. Pride will rob us when we come into maybe a, a, a time of corporate worship or if you're spending time at home in your own personal worship. Pride will rob you of encountering God in a really great way. Well, you just need to look up the story of Naaman. It's, this is not in my notes, but Naaman uh, was, a, uh, uh, I think, a um, Syrian leader and uh, he was a significant man, but he but, uh, was either leprosy or he was some, some disease. I did three years of Bible college. It was something, you know, I should remember that. But um, he, was, he was stuffed, right? And he was like, he was not doing life very well. And a servant girl, a servant girl who was a captive, who was a captive, who was there against her will, said, you know, I know of somebody uh, by the name of Elijah or Elisha, one of the two. I get them always mixed up as well. And um, this is why I need notes. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, he, he, she told him, if you go and see him, I reckon you'll probably get healed. And so he did, and he brought gifts and money. And then uh, the prophet wouldn't even come out and see him. Wouldn't even come out and see him. But through a messenger told him, go and dip in the Jordan seven times. And, and, and he was just suddenly filled with pride, Jordan, we've got better rivers back home. The Jordan, the Yarra River, oh my gosh, it's just brown and murky. You need a 12-week course of antibiotics before you even go near it. Oh, I just, I don't want to dip in that at all. And then his servant said to him, but if that's all you have to do, don't you want to be free of this? See, that was this area of pride in his life. And you see, with worship, worship is giving worth to the king. And how do we give worth to the king? Often, giving worth to somebody is a symbolic act of kneeling down in worship. I could ask you, why didn't you kneel down in worship today? <laughs> I don't want you to answer that. But why didn't you kneel down? Well, the thought never crossed my mind. Fantastic. Now I've given you a great thought for next week. Seriously. You see, there's this element, if, if we were in Isl an Islamic church, you'd be required, bend that knee, you're down on the carpet. You see how pride can just seep in and that expression of worship, pride robs us of worship, whereas humility positions us beautifully in right relationship with others, it positions us beautifully in right relationship with God, Amen. 
Humility gives us great marriages. Oh, so good. When we just lay down the guns, right? Lay down the guns and say, what are we doing? Let's just get this right. Amen? Humility understands that I can't know everything and therefore I may not see everything there is to see. You have a different perspective to me. I have a different perspective to you. You've had different training than I have. You've had a different cultural background than I have. And you see, when we come together, oh, wow, we can see things in a far holistic and greater way. Amen? (coughs) Praise God. I love what it says in Micah. If you've got your Bibles with you, let's turn to Micah. Chapter 6, verse 6 to 8. Micah says this, And what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before the God most on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with yearling calves? Does the Lord take delight in thousands of rams, in tens of thousand, in 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Now, you need to understand that this is an Old Testament covenant God that they're talking about. This is not the God that we have actually today. This is not the God that we experience today through the cross and through the blood of Jesus where grace is just so abundant for us. But you see, grace Grace, grace can be so soppy and so lovey that we forget that, that pride is something that we need to keep in check. And here in the book of Micah, it says, but do justice. Hang on, I thought I had to sacrifice 40 cows and, and 300 bulls and, and I thought I had to do these two turtle doves and, 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 and a grain offering and a wave offering. No, no. Here, Micah writes this, what does the Lord require of you? These simple things that speaks truth to us today. It says, but do justice. Do justice. Do justice. Friends, freedom isn't freedom of choice. Freedom is the ability to do what's right. Mankind and society will tell us that freedom is just this thing that we can go out and choose to do whatever we want to do, how we want to do it, with who we want to do it, and yeah, be free. Go and do that for 10 years. Let's see where your life ends up. Friends, freedom is not that. Freedom is really realized in the ability to do what is right. Do it right and do it well. Amen? But do justice, see justice in our land, to love kindness, to love kindness, and what? Walk humbly with your God. In Luke chapter 18, verse 10, it says, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying to himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, pay all my tithes of all I can get. But that tax collector, can you hear pride? Standing some distance away, 
was even unwilling to lift up his eyes, but was beating his breast saying, to, saying God, be merciful to me, the sinner. It's interesting that the word the sinner is used. He didn't say, I'm a sinner. He said, the sinner, the sinner. He's saying, I'm the greatest sinner of all. I have done everything that I can against you, God, in spite of you. And yet I can still come to you and say, forgive me. Man, that's worship, isn't it? That's the realisation of it. Amen? I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. It's interesting that the very next story that the Bible writes about after then is when the disciples were given an opportunity to exercise humility, but they failed. Because the very next story after that is when the little children started to come to Jesus and the disciples sent them away. It's extraordinary, isn't it? And yet, Jesus said, suffer not, let the little children come. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven, that children walk in humility. Children walk in humility really well, don't they? So, uh, Rosie's just having some difficulty breathing. Can we praise the church? Yeah. Is that cool? Yeah. Yeah. We're just going to see healing and health come. Yeah. In Jesus' name, we just speak life over Rosie right now. And Lord, we just thank you for your love and your power. Lord, we thank you that you are giving her breath. Lord, and we rebuke whatever is causing it whether it be a, a spiritual matter, whether it be a physical matter, a biological matter right now. And Lord, we just call her lungs and her bronchial tubes to relax in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, you breathe life into her lungs now in the name of Jesus. And we all said, amen, amen and amen. amen. Praise God. Awesome. Awesome. One time on a ministry weekend, we had somebody die. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Yeah. <clears throat> Is that anyone here? You're right. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, let's reel this in. Praise God. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> that would be a cool testimony, right? You know. Praise God. So humility. Uh, where am I? Strength of strength of humility. So as we start to address this area of um, walking in humility and just a and and. Um, and uh, dealing with those issues of pride and arrogance. Now, remember that Marion Webster, um, not related to Nikki, uh, 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 clearly defined humility as the absence of pride and arrogance. The absence of pride and arrogance. So, if we are going to understand that there is great strength in humility, is that humility displays, uh, displays self-worth that recognises that we are not the source, right? You are not the source of all life, right? You, it's, it's, I'm trying to let you down easy, but you're not the centre of the world. <laughs> Is that cool? Yeah. Right? I've met some teenagers that often think that, or people, 
that often think that they are the centre of everything uh, and people, uh, and that, you know, goes through their life, that they, that habit of habitual thinking is it. And yet, um, it's interesting to note that, who, does everybody want to be great in the kingdom? Do you want to be great in the kingdom? Yeah, understand, if, if you're putting your hand up and you say, yeah, I want to be great in the kingdom, then understand this, is that every person who we would consider great in the kingdom went through a horrific humbling time. <laughs> every single person, every single person, all right? Every single person. <laughs> David went through a humble. He was humbled, man, like murderous, adultery, and he had to publicly deal with it, right? <laughs> um, Joseph, like he was sold as a slave, accused, went to jail. Like he did nothing wrong. He was completely innocent in every way, shape or form. But it was this, this it wasn't just a, I don't believe it's a trial that God says, hey, hey bro, I'm, I love you, therefore I'm going to chastise you and put you through a horrific trial. I don't think that God is, is the author of many of the challenges that we, that, that we experience. But what I would suggest is that because we live in this fallen world, is that he will use the experiences of this world to develop these areas within your heart, your life, and your mind. Okay? And so, you know, even to the point, I struggled for years as to why so many of the disciples were martyred. And yet, you know, even Paul, what he experienced with, you know, when the, when the snake bit his arm and, and yet, you know, he, he healed of that. And, you know, when, when he, he was translated and all these miraculous things that took place, Right? It's just extraordinary how at the very end of their life, they're in chains. At the end of their life, they're, they're in prison, wearing tatty clothes. <laughs> Have you ever been through a humbling time, a humbling experience? Friends, I've got great news for you. You are stepping in, as you go through that time, you are stepping into this great place where pride and arrogance is being dealt with that you start to realise I'm not the source of everything, but Jesus is the source of life through me. Hello? So, you can't have honour without humility. You can't have humility without honour. I love what Rick Warren said. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Well, I'm the most important person in my world. That's pride and arrogance. Whereas if you're thinking about others, then you are positioned in this pl great place to honour others. Friends, honour is such an issue within the Australian society. We don't honour well, but we can. Hello? We can honour well. You see, even by simply saying this, <clears throat> I'll honour somebody right now. So, um, I'm going to honour, she's going to be very uncomfortable about this, but I'm going to honour Steph, Steph Yakabuchi, who's 
who's, you never see people in the media room because of the tinted windows and what they're doing. Steph arrived here at 8.30 this morning. She was absolutely on time, ready and prepared for something that she hasn't had to do before, and that is set up and put things in place, ready, so all everything you see on the screen and all the media clip that you saw today was in place, the right words were there, the right presentation of the words were there, and that, that's on it. I'm just say, great job. Great job, right? Absolutely great job. Um, see, that's just honouring. That's a public honour. But you know how we privately honour? You know how we privately honour? I might say to Josh, Josh, gee, Steph did a great job today, didn't she? Fantastic. That's a private honour. Steph may never, ever hear those words. And it's important to hear them. But you see, honouring is also understanding what dishonour is as well. I can't believe it when Steph stuffed up those words today. (laughs) Honestly, if I've told her once, I've told her 13 times. You see what I mean? It's a dishonour. If she did, and she hasn't, but if she did and didn't do it well, don't you know that she knows it? See what I mean? You see, humility positions us in a place where we can honour and really honour well. That we can say, Norma, you're just an amazing foundation in this church. You really are. I love it how you sit in the front row. I love it. You are such a great encouragement. I, in fact, think everybody should sit in the front row. That's what I think. I think we should just have one row. As long as you are, this is what C.S. Lewis wrote, as long as you are proud, you cannot know God. Wow, what a statement. This is not scripture, this is C.S. Lewis. Close maybe to scripture, but but this is C.S. Lewis. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on thing and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. That's a really great statement, isn't it? Something that we can look for. So as I said to you before, um, Anna's been trying to change me for a long time and change can be hard, right? And uh, as Anna always says, I might be the head of the house, I might be the head of the home, head of the marriage, but she's the neck that turns the head everywhere, right? But change can be hard, but humility always leads to happiness. You see, the more humble you are, what you will find is the more happier that you are. Does anybody want happiness in your life? Amen? Amen. And so, see, what happens here is this, is a, this affects and helps and assists us in the area of our friends. You make their life so much better when you're humble. <laughs> it affects your family. When you're humble, your home is just so much more peaceful. And I'm not saying complacent. I didn't say complacent, when you're complacent, when you're, when, you're, when you're all, you know, meek and mild. I mean, if you've got something to say, say it, but say it from a position of humility. Hello? Not pride and arrogance. Well, you are just an idiot, right? You're laughing because that's what happens in your home, right? Rather than, you know, when you, when you did that before, that really hurt. You see, there's a big difference between the two. 
And the power of life and death is in the tongue. So those things that we speak out over our home. You know, I lead a lot of people in marriage preparation. And one of the very first things I do is I start with the Stephen Covey principle, begin with the end in mind. What kind of atmosphere are you trying to create in your home? It's a good point, isn't it? And so that atmosphere is affected by how we are able to walk in humility even within our own house. And sometimes I recognise that sometimes that's hard when there's been a lot of hurt, when there's a lot of heartache. You know, a few years ago, Anna and I were going through a really, really hard time. Um, it was, there, was, there was business pressures, there was other pressures as well, and it was really, really, really it really sucked, Right? Like really sucked. As in one of, the, I would say that that was the most humbling time that I've had so far in my life, right? And what happens is that there's tension and and and, and uh, things get said that they don't need to be said, and and what happens is humility just sort of starts to creep out the window, and as soon as humility starts to creep out the window, pride rushes in. Well, that you and and and. And, and, and that's what happens, isn't it? Anybody relate? Stay quiet. <laughs> but in our families, if we can walk in humility, we can impact and change our community in an amazing way. With our colleagues of place, workplaces. <laughs> Your influence grows when you walk in humility. You see, God honours the humble. When you meet strangers, you begin to see potential and value in everyone that you meet when you're walking in humility. So we've talked about worship. If you want to go up, you've got to go low. If you want to be first, you need to be the last. See, there's these principles in the Bible that is taught all the time. And don't get me wrong, if you want to see change, that doesn't mean you see, friends, I just want to stress, humility is not meek and mild, right? Say what needs to be said, but say it from a position of humility, okay? So next steps. You ready? Give yourself time to think. Process and commit to growth in this area. Just take time. Take a 30 minutes, go have a coffee somewhere on your own and just, and just go, God, you know, I really need to walk in this area. I, I, you know, can I say this? There is not one person that's listening to my voice right now that doesn't need to grow in the area of humility. So can I encourage you? Take that time out just to stop and meditate and just say, Holy Spirit, you know meditation's God's idea? It's not a new age thing. It's written in the Bible, meditate on the wall, word, day or night, right? Just take that time, just take that time out. Second thing, space, get alone with God, invite him into an encounter where the Holy Spirit brings you freedom. You see, there's a freedom that the Spirit will minister to you in a way that no one else can. <laughs> He's so cool. This is why Jesus said, I'm sending you a comforter, a helper to walk alongside you and be with you. And all you have to do is say, Holy Spirit, come and help me in this area. Amen? We displayed that this morning when we prayed for our mind. Convenience. <laughs> Change is never convenient. It requires you to walk it with somebody. 
How many know? You know, I'd rather do everything on my own because I'm a man. Remember what I said before? I'd rather go hunting on my own. I'd rather go walking in the bush on my own because, you know, there's, there are times and places that that's a good thing. But friends, convenience says bring somebody with you. Bring somebody along the journey with you. You see, what happens there is there's a camaraderie and encouragement. The Bible says it this way, two are easily broken but three are not. (laughs) That's walking in great relationship with one another. The fourth thing and lastly is freedom. Freedom is when you make, when you have the ability to do what is right, not what you want. So do what is right. See, humility releases a great freedom in your life. It's just so good. So can I encourage you? Listen to this word. Take it to your heart. Take it into your mind. Really, really work hard at being humble because it's sometimes hard work because there's a lot of people around us that are not humble. But friends, be humble and never look back. Don't spend too much time looking in the rearview mirror at the hurt and the heartache of what may have been caused. Friends, commit to being humble and never, ever look back. Turn your back on pride. Turn your back on arrogant thought. Grumpy men are boring. That was your chance, women. Amen. I'm not going to go there, men. Grumpy women are boring too, right? Are we allowed to say that? (laughs) Grumpy people are boring, right? Now we got it. But we do do it differently. So turn away from pride, arrogance, and walk humbly before God. Let's stand. We're going to pray. Praise God. We're going to pray. I'm going to sing a song. I'm going to wrap up today. So, are we together? We're going to do this together? Have you got somebody in mind that you can walk together with them in this? Have a think about that. If you don't, that's fine. Ask the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit might bring somebody to mind. Amen? So place your hand on your heart. Holy Spirit, right now, we just thank you for your love. We thank you that you give us the ability to walk, to live life, to run and experience good things. And so, Lord, right now, we just ask that you would empower us and enable us to step into this place where we can walk humbly before you that we can do justice, that we can love mercy, that we can love kindness, and Lord, that we can walk humbly before you. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. Move upon our hearts. You just might wanna say that, Holy Spirit, move upon my heart. You might wanna say, Jesus, forgive me for where I've been proud and arrogant. So Holy Spirit, help me walk humbly before you.
so right now I just want to recognize areas of people's lives where they've been hurt in relationship. Holy Spirit, would you just heal those marriages? Would you just heal? Heal those relationships. Lord, where people have felt as though they have missed it. That they'll never have another chance and never have another opportunity. I just get a sense even now with every eye closed and every head bowed, I just get a sense now that there's somebody here, somebody here, that the Holy Spirit is working on your heart. Hmm. It's almost like this is a holy moment that's almost unmentionable because God is moving in this area. But I just get a sense that that the Holy Spirit is moving upon somebody's heart where where they have said, my marriage is dead. It's too far gone. Friends, I declare to you today that the Holy Spirit has said, now begins the turnaround. There are areas of relationship that this spirit of humility is going to begin to permeate and those relationships are going to get better. And healing is already taking place. And so Lord, help us worship you well. Help us step into this new season of victory, God. And help us walk humbly with you. In Jesus' name. Amen.